Welcome to Mint, the podcast exploring the Web3 creator economy. I'm your host, Adam Levy, and every Tuesday and Thursday, I'll be showing you what's happening at the corner where crypto meets creators by interviewing Web3's top creative entrepreneurs, collectors, and founders. This episode is brought to you by the composable and decentralized social graph Lens Protocol, who's ready for you to build on so that you can focus on creating a great experience, not scaling your users. Guys, I've talked about this on the podcast before. We as creators need to break through a new paradigm of social networking apps that we control rather than them controlling us. Lens Protocol isn't a social media app. It's designed to let Web3 social apps bloom. Own your content, own your social graph, own your data. Lens Protocol is the last social media handle you'll ever have to create. This episode breaks down the creator's ultimate guide to Web3 Social alongside the founder of Ave and Lens Protocol, Stani Kulichov. Throughout the hour, we discuss his vision for Web3 Social, how creators use crypto to build communities, tips for creators to make money on Lens, user-generated content as an asset class, migrating collectors from other chains onto Lens, how to use your social graph outside of their protocol, and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Stani Kulichov, welcome to Mint. How are you doing, my friend? Thanks for being on. Very, very good. Uh, I can't remember when we last time actually did this. Last time we did this, I was working at Draper Gorn Home and we were on blockchain and booze. And I think it was during <laughs> the DeFi madness. And you were the only person or one of the few people that I, I reached out to to talk about their protocol and their application that actually answered me and was able to put a face behind their project. So I'll never forget that. Um, and you were, you, were, you were super early on in my creator journey. So uh, I'm really excited to be kind of doing this episode with you and figuring out what are you working on now? What is Lens and all the good stuff? So I don't think you need an introduction. I think the crypto community knows who you are. But um, I think a good place to start because I want to I wanna focus this conversation around Web3 Social, okay? I'm curious to hear your perspective. Let's just set the tone. How are you seeing the current Web3 Social landscape? Um, and uh, any interesting applications, trends, um, or just anything in general to kind of give the, the, the listener idea of what's happening in Web3 Social right now? Yeah, I, I think we were very, uh, actually extremely early on, on Web3 Social. So um, the, the applications we've seen um, and, and even the protocols are um, pretty much trying to solve like one of the earliest problems uh, in the Web3 Social space. Um, things like how do you, um, I create a uh, profile that uh, belongs to you and um, have uh, portability between one application to another, and you have the true ownership of, of that profile. Uh, or how do you connect with, between different peers and how you can like retain um, that uh, uh, con con connectivity with the peers? Um, and also, like, how do you actually distribute content across? Um, Web3 social landscape. So there, there's multiple different things that the, the early uh, protocols and applications are trying to solve. Um, and I think like a, a lot of things are deriving from the idea of that uh, we've been feeding and building this uh, Web2 social where, you know, uh, previously it was very difficult um, to actually uh, create and distribute content across uh, the globe, across the internet. And what the, the bigger social media companies actually did is uh, they provided uh, a platform for uh, users, um, any user to actually create content and, and then connect with their peers uh, on areas that might be interesting to them. Now, now 
we're more in a phase of, uh, hey, we actually can do this in a more uh, decentralized fashion. So what can, we can actually recreate and let's try to recreate, uh, you know, the uh, Instagrams of the world uh, and mm. the Twitters of the world and like basically re-architecturing the, the current uh, ecosystem. And I don't know if it's that that's the right way to do it. Like, do we, should we actually try to decentralize something like Twitter or should we actually try to find new ways and new applications and use cases that enables because of the Web3 uh, aspect? Yeah, um, I think one of the more interesting things that I'm seeing on the Web3 social front is how creators build audiences and monetize audiences in Web3. And before we sort of go into the different tactics and strategies that maybe you're seeing, I still want to kind of like unveil the problem that Web3, Web2 social kind of like failed at, right? And how Web3 social aims to fix that. Can you can you shed more light on that topic? Well, the way I see what's not working in, in the uh, Web2 social um, space is that uh, you as a creator, you, you build this uh, magnificent, uh, exciting audience around uh, yourself, for example, but you usually build that in a specific platform. So, for example, many of us who are very active in, in uh, the crypto space uh, we tend to build our audiences in uh, Twitter and we call it actually crypto Twitter because all of our networking is uh, there. But there are many creators that have audiences, for example, in Instagram uh, based on uh, what they create and what kind of um, uh, content they're actually creating um, or it might be uh, TikTok as well or any other uh, platform, actually. It can be even even not that social, for example, Spotify, where you have distribution and you have audience. So basically, uh, what happens is that the, the creators there uh, generated this massive amount of uh, user-generated content and, and feeding the content liquidity into the uh, platforms. Uh, and end of the day, they, it's the platforms that are actually benefiting from that content and, and various data points that the users are uh, generated by uh, liking uh, different kinds of posts, uh, sharing them, um, or just spending time watching a, uh, one particular uh, video. So effectively, all the monetization actually happens within the platform uh, in a way where it's the platform that is taking uh, all or most of the uh, proceeds. And this is, for example, mm -hmm. ha is happening with TikTok. Uh, uh, Twitter is a good example where you might be sharing a lot of content uh, to your audience, you're creating everyday new content, but uh, it's actually the uh, platform behind that is getting all the monetization and you're kind of like, you're benefiting to, to growing your audience, but you really don't have uh, the portability of the audience or actually direct way to, to monetize. Yeah, I think with all the Elon Musk, Twitter, Jack Dorsey feud that's happening online, now there's like that whole court trial. One, I'm curious to get your opinion on on the whole acquisition take and, and what may happen over there. But two, what's even more interesting is all these conversations that are surfacing between Jack Dorsey, Elon Musk, and how Jack Dorsey was like, I wish Twitter was a protocol, right? In a decentralized fashion um, and sort of alludes to maybe what the vision that you have for Web3 Social uh, is kind of like coming and building towards, right? Am I, am I getting that correctly? Or what do you think about the entire situation? Yeah, I guess like what's um, what's what's been happening there is that um, you know there there's definitely value creating um, a more decentralized uh, networking um, and, and way to share content and also 
a more decentralized way of preserving your uh, identity. So I guess like sure. what's um, has been challenging for uh, Twitter is that um, in many of these uh, platforms is that the way they're being built uh, is that they're actually you know extracting value from the from the users and from the creators, uh, and that value goes to the uh, shareholders. Now, in, in protocols, uh, the idea is that a, a protocol is just a way of um, connecting with peers uh, and preserving some of the values. And um, what Web3 is doing with protocols also is giving the ownership of those protocols to the users and letting the communities to uh, steer how those protocols will be improved uh, in the future. And uh, to be honest, like uh, I definitely agree that Twitter could work uh, pretty well as a uh, open protocol, it will mean that anyone can actually innovate and cu- compute with the data. Uh, but also having something like a uh, on-chain profile would mean that you could actually have the ownership of the audience you create and your self-expression, and no one can actually take that away from you. So giving those rights to the users um, brings a lot of benefits. And I think why it's valuable discussion now is that we spent for the past um, couple of, or actually a few years, building this very fascinating financial infrastructure uh, on top of the uh, Web3 ecosystem. And now with the NFTs and creator economy, we're actually seeing a lot of power um, and opportunity to actually um, empowering creators um, and empowering the actual users of of, uh, social media. And I think that's why it becomes even more the, this, this, the discussion is taking place now than, than ever before. Yeah. So I think that's actually a perfect segue to giving like a more formal introduction to what Lens Protocol is because you talked about empowering the user, empowering the network uh, to own their profile, own their content, own, own the data. Um, can you introduce to someone who is maybe not familiar with Web3, for example, how would you explain Lens Protocol to them? Yeah, so Lens Protocol, um, it allows you to create your profile once um, and retain the ownership of the profile. So you're not locked into any uh, platform specifically. So any application that is built on top of the protocol, um, you as a user have the flexibility to access those uh, applications and you don't need to um, give up your uh, follower base or profile uh, into one particular uh, application. So this brings sort of uh, freedom for the um, users and also it changes the dynamics because uh, this means that anyone can actually freely build a better or a new algorithm, how you find and discover other users or or content uh, across the uh, Lens protocol or across Web3 ecosystem uh, in general. And, And also the experiences actually have to compete first time ever on your um kind of like a um um you, you i would say like as a user you can you can vote with your feet which of the experiences are most aligned towards uh, finding maybe content that you might like more or what values are important for you as a user uh and what what it, it actually makes those applications more of communities so for example um twitter is a community but you can't really actually affect how Twitter is built in the future besides giving feedback. But here you can actually have skin in the game and actually vote with your feed um, if, you, if, if you find an application that is actually more aligned to what your expectations are. So it changes those uh, dynamics uh, quite 
um, easily. So that's the kind of interesting parts that that actually uh, your profile is secured uh, with the blockchain, but actually it's the applications that can choose how they reflect data. So you can effectively use an application that reflects the data and stores it on a uh, decentralized uh, file storages like IPFS, or um, you can choose an application that stores uh, data in a cloud just as a traditional um, a social media application, but you still have the ownership of your uh, profile. So as a protocol, it gives flexibility for the users, but also for the developers to choose how they want to build their application and how much uh, decentralization they want to uh, have in their own particular use case. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I remember in the beginning when Lens Protocol sort of came out, it, it started with this tweet of yours kind of saying, we're going to build uh, Twitter on Ethereum, right? When Jack Dorsey came out with the whole uh, Bitcoin should be should be the, the network of choice or when they started integrating Bitcoin more religiously across Twitter, you sort of had this epiphany like we need to build Twitter on Ethereum, right? And I remember initially one of the uh, sort of features that stood out to you that stood out to me the most as a creator was the ability to collect something, right? And of course, like in Web three, collecting and supporting a creator is like it's second nature. But the way you've sort of orchestrated is that I, I can collect a a, a a post, for example, on, on on Lenster, right? And I remember in the beginning I was skeptical about it until I actually got on the platform and saw the power of being able to collect something. And it got me really rethinking of the entire model of building an audience in Web3. And in Web2, you sort of have these subscribes, you have these follows. But in Web3, you collect and show your, your level of patronage. You show your level of contribution by sort of proving you were there by having something in your wallet, right? And that entire shift sort of changed the way how I think about building an audience because I use a lot of Web2 to sort of build virality and distribution. But I use Web3 to capture that value. And now on Lenser across Lens Protocol, all these cool applications are popping up where I can actually do both now. I can build an audience and capture that value in Web3, which I think is super unique, uh, super unique to, to Lenster. Can you talk more about sort of building out that initial product flow, that initial experience for users to have that Web3 feel of a social network? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, when you create your, your profile and, and you have the ownership, also, um, whoever follows you, you, you basically have that. Uh, relationship between you and and your uh, audience, so so you can actually move from one application to another, and you don't lose that audience, which is very valuable for the uh, creators. But what that audience does for you is that you actually have a direct way to distribute content to your to your uh, peers, uh, regardless of um, the applications built on top. So the applications itself are uh, effectively uh, tailoring the user experience, curating what data users um, should see and how they should discover um, new content. But as a creator, from creator's perspective, uh, effectively like Collect is um, uh, what what the, the, the founder of uh, from Mirror actually wrote pretty well. The Collect is the new like. So effectively, exactly. you just don't like what you actually like with skin in the game, uh, which means that uh, you can you can do a contribution and and in return you get a user generated content that is actually an, an asset and creating user generated content as an asset class as as, as well and as a concept it's not really uh, that novel because we already have this idea of being able to share uh, digital art across your own community uh, in form of uh, NFTs and in return you actually 
you get as, as a user, you you make a contribution as a fan and get in return the the asset, and you are part of that uh, community. And I think the same thing is happening in music NFTs, and also it resembles me quite a lot. Uh, my spare hobby where I collect vinyls. So I go to different record shops and I buy vinyls because, you know, I like the feeling of oh, uh, wow. having a physical uh, piece uh, as music and at the same time having like a, an, an utility and, and hearing uh, the audio uh, as well. And I think, I think kind of like taking that concept even further and thinking that actually when we are paying for music, are we actually paying for uh, listening or are we paying for distribution or are we actually paying to support the artist to actually uh, create more in the future? And this is where the kind of like a radical mind change happens where we have to think about like, uh, is the way we created IP um, anymore something that is reflecting uh, what we think about culture, art, um, content in general? Um, and should we actually go directly to a model where, you know, we actually uh, contribute to the creator uh, by basically buying digital uh, content and have that provenance as well. And I think that's something that we bake into the Lens Protocol in a way that all the content, if you choose choose so, can be uh, collectible as NFTs, uh, meaning that actually it's the market and the users and the followers that can actually uh, benchmark and, and decide what content is valuable based on how they collect and you can also charge for the collection or have it as free, free NFTs. But the main point is that um, when we look at also like content tokenization, um, we've seen previously examples where the Dodge um, uh, uh, meme was tokenized as an NFT, the Nyan Cat as well, and the other one was uh, sold for $4 million. So you've seen re retroactive tokenization of uh, user-generated content and memes specifically in this case. Um, why not actually bringing that model into the spot where the actual content is created and letting actually the early adopters of that content and early fans to decide how valuable or culturally relevant the content is um, and, and, and creating that value uh, loop in, 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 into that uh, content. One thing I didn't know about you is that you collect vinyls. I think that's pretty cool. How many, how many vinyls have you collected to date? Do you have a number? I don't have that many. I think I have roughly, um, I think I have a couple of hundreds, 150 okay, or so, I mean, that's probably a, even more. That's quite a bit. <laughs> that's quite a bit. So wait, on the, on that tangent, okay. On the, on the collecting vinyl tangent, there's this music collector. His name is spins 808. He's, I've never met someone that loves music more than him. He's a big music NFT collector. And he wrote this really fascinating blog post sort of reflecting on his experience collecting a vinyl to then collecting a music NFT. Um, because we're already on the subject, what do you think on, on the entire like music NFT trend that's happening with all these artists kind of like breaking steam, finding creative liberation through their music? Uh, what do you think about all that? I, I think there's a lot of value in that because um, I just see there's like a lot of layers at the moment that, that has been built in the music industry. And many of the monetization layers are based on the copyright uh, intellectual property um, which is which has been working to some extent quite well up to this date. So you can guarantee that you know musicians when they create content they can be rewarded afterwards as the content is um, consumed. Um, but at the same time, uh, IP has its own um, challenges. 
And I think because of the fact that you can actually verify who is the creator of the content and owner, um, you can create more um, interesting um, parallel um, economies and, and monetization models that are based on uh, the 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 on-chain aspect of of content. So, for example, that if I if I know that there is a very good artist that is uh, playing uh, very good music and creating very good music. Uh, I should be able to support it directly and have that contribution on chain. And because I have that uh, contribution on chain and I have that digital asset, that creates me more accessibility to other kinds of uh, uh, things. But also, I, I'm more of a believer of this idea uh, of um, on chain um, kind of like uh, property, com- commercial property rights. So I, I think right. that you could actually create content. And uh, re- revoke all rights to that content uh, in terms of intellectual property, uh, and at the same time, um, you can create different kinds of uh, on-chain commercial rights. For example, if you want to use my piece of content, uh, let's say that I create uh, a nice drum kit and into your song, you can actually split fees that you collect uh, between us together. So it's it's more of kind of like a altruistic model. Um, uh, and, and you're actually kind of like attributing to other creators, but I just feel that that might be the the more um, aligned model in an open source uh, economy and how we can actually build better monetization models compared to IP and the restrictions that they're bringing. Because effectively what IP is doing, um, and I'm talking from also my lawyer hat as, um, as, as you Adam know that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, also a law um, lawyer in my background. So, so, so basically that's, um, you are limiting the innovation and creativity with IP, but in an ideal world, you don't want to limit creativity. Uh, and actually you want to, uh, get creativity and innovation to thrive. And I think that's what open source as software has been doing for a long time now. And I think we have to somehow translate that into, um, all the kind of like a more creative industries as well. Yeah, makes sense. On that thought of monetization, how do creators make money on Lens? What does that look like? Well, in the protocol itself, we baked a couple of interesting ways to uh, monetize. One direct way to monetize is allowing the uh, users to collect the content as NFTs. So effectively, you are um, uh, buying a digital asset um, as NFT from the user-generated content from the uh, creator. Um, but at the same time, you can also, if you have a bigger audience, you can mirror um, someone else's content to your audience. And if someone collects uh, that uh, paid content, you can actually get uh, mirroring fees uh, yourself. So there's like there's the idea of uh, monetization of actually uh, directly from the users, but also the curators can get monetization by sharing the content to their own audiences. And these are the, just two uh, models that we have baked into the protocol. But uh, factually, you can uh, build uh, more into that. So you can build your own ways to monetize. Um, you can still create some some sort of a, uh, transparent, promoted um, advertising as well. And this is something that someone is actually building on top of the our protocol. Um, or you can sell some sort of visualizations um, as well. So like the, the protocol itself is fe- flexible on what you want to use in your application. It's more of a, like a 
business decision what you have to do uh, by yourself or with your um, uh, community. My favorite feature at the moment with Lens Protocol and just sort of how I've seen people use it on Lensster is the mirror feature. I think it's one of the one of the coolest things that creators can tap into as a way to incentivize virality, right? Incentivize uh, uh, collaboration uh, and sort of like reward. So the way it works that I've seen is like let's say you you post a piece of art, right? And you can set this this rule where every time somebody reshares it and mirrors it, they can basically earn ten percent on that. Right. Yeah. And it, it, and it really aligns incentives and it's a cool way to kind of build a, a viral effect online. I don't know. I think, I think it's really cool. Are there any other ways, any other tools that you think are missing from the lens protocol, from, from the, from the tool stack on lens, um, that have yet to be built out any, anything, anything you can share? Yeah. Tons. I, I think like we just, we kind of built the, the bare, like uh bare minimum in terms of, uh, um, what you can actually do in, in um, social media. And um, so the, the, the way the Lens protocol itself is built, it's a smart contract-based uh, protocol. Um, so you first, you create, a, uh, you create the profile, then you can follow other profiles uh, and every profile can publish content. Um, and the content can be reflected uh, uh, on chain. It can be off chain, you know, decentralized file storage, that, depending on the, the application use case so you kind of like choose the 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 amount of decentralization you want to have but what's exciting is that you have this um different kinds of modules um so you have uh follow modules so for example uh you can create a smart contract based uh module which says that um you pay to follow let's say a creator but then if the creator collects uh, monetization fees from the collects those are split with the uh, followers, kind of creating uh, some sort of uh, creator um, crowdfunding or, or uh, something similar in, in that sense. And you can create different kinds of modules also for uh, commenting. So one of the earliest things because of the uh, size of the Lens protocol is that uh, there's currently 80,000 um, profiles at the moment. Uh, and in the beginning, there was a few of the bots. So we actually started very early to experiment how we can get off get rid of the uh, bots that are in the uh, protocol. Uh, and what we created is this kind of like a module where um, you can comment uh, to my post if, if I don't follow you, but some of my friends uh, follows you. And you can actually set the degree up to, let's say, six or so. So, for example, oh, cool. if, I set the de- if I set the degree to two, it means that um, if we have a common friend, then you can comment. If I set it to three... That uh, means that uh, you can comment if we don't have a common friend, but that someone has a, my friend has a friend who is friend with you. And this is based on the idea of uh, that every single person in the planet is connected by six uh, degrees of separation of of, uh, people. And it has been super effective uh, at the moment. I think if Twitter starts to use this uh, tomorrow, you will stop seeing those crypto uh, spammy uh, bots that you get all the time uh, in your uh, feed. So this is a smart contract-based module. And I I think the power on smart um, um, contract-based modules and and also like the composability is that you can create these rules and you can't really uh, circumvent them because uh, they're smart contract-based 
uh, computation and anyone can actually come in and contribute to, to the modules. I love that. I think that's a really, really powerful feature um, as a way to sort of curate quality um, and a new, a new experiment to see how uh, you can use an on-chain social graph, right? To kind of figure out connections, uh, deviations, all these interesting things that we maybe use in real life, but now you can sort of implement digitally. I, did, I think another cool feature of the mirror, uh, the mirror element is that one of the most direct form of monetizations that creators use today is through affiliate links, right? Whether it be their Amazon affiliate link or some type of brand that they collaborate with. So being able to embed that directly into the platform, into the protocol, I think off the get-go is, uh, is really powerful. Um, I want to also talk about user-generated content as an asset class, because essentially when you start to uh, implement like the financialization of everything, give or take, even though there's a lot of free uh, uh, collect options on, on Lens that the user has dictation over, what does it mean to a creator sort of to create user-generated content that's an asset class? Um, and what's the potential behind that? Yeah, I guess like it, it boils down to the same idea that you know you can create digital art um, as a collection and and then um, make it available to to purchase or somehow uh, gain um, within the uh, community. So so the, so the idea that um, NFTs are successful because it, it's a way for you to participate in a community and also buy a digital good uh, which can be. Uh, dig digital art at, 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 um, in, in most cases um, with different kinds of uh, metadata uh, traits and so forth. The same concept is uh, effectively extended also to content that is uh, videos. Um, we've seen uh, the NBA Top Shots uh, work in a similar way. Um, and just any content that you produce, audio, uh, text, um, and, and making, it, making it as easy as possible and I think like um, the, the, the creators in, in general as a, as a user group is interesting because even in Web2, uh, creators aren't really uh, that well supported. You know, so you, the monetization aspect is one. So you create, you, you, as, a, as, a, as a creator, you always start from the very low level of the food chain. So you basically have to create a lot of content. You put a lot of proof of work to actually ensure that your content is something that is interesting, consumable, um, you have a lot of competition, you gain, um, you have no choice than joining a bigger platform like let's say TikTok and start actually creating uh, a lot of content and, and creating right. follower base. And you can't actually, you don't have much of control what, you, what you're doing. And your, your only kind of like goal is to create audience into that platform and, and, so, and hopefully somehow direct the traffic, right? But being able to actually create the content right on spot and also having your own distribution channel, uh, it's, it's equals the same as walking uh, with your own social network. So it's not just like, um, it, it, it's like what Lens Protocol is doing is that it's giving you your own social network and your own social identity so that you, know, you can choose like how, all these applications are reflecting your content and being able to do that and, and being able to distribute your content directly to your followers uh, without anyone can actually coming in between uh, takes these creators and puts them into a completely new uh, position and also elevates the content itself because I know that this content actually exists as an asset class 
and I know um, that I can get directly from the user, it creates a different kinds of uh, elevation for the creator. So they actually own their own distribution and relationships with their audience, which is significantly different than we have now in Web2 Social. What's up, guys? Sorry for the quick pause, but I wanted to tell you about Bello a new blockchain analytics tool I built that helps Web3 native creators and communities learn more about their collectors and their on-chain behavior. Through a simple search, Bellows Intelligence can help you figure out a price for your NFT drop, show you what other communities your collectors are a part of, and empower you with insights to make confident decisions on how to grow your community. I built Bello with you in mind. So as a creator myself, Bellows helped me make money by finding sponsors for the podcast and allowed me to curate better content for you guys and now it's ready to help other creators too if you're a web3 native creator nft project founder or community manager join the waitlist to try bellow's beta product today by signing up at bellow.lol forward slash join that's b-e-l-l-o dot l-o-l forward slash join all right back to the episode I think a lot of the success of Web3 Social is going to be dependent on use cases of creators uh, kind of like seeing success through it, right? Either through building an audience, either through making money. And because we're so early uh, in, in, the, in the adoption curve of Web3 Social, are there any creators that come to mind that have used a decentralized social graph as a way to kind of like really, really push the value and push the example of what it actually means to own your audience, what it means to own your distribution funnels. Any, any creators come to mind? I think in terms of like creators in Lens Protocol, like we have a smaller uh, music creators that come and actually drop content. There's, there's also like, uh, that, that are doing it on a daily basis. There, there's also creators, um, for example, like the uh, Pussy Riot that came and did a right. significant drops uh, within the Lens Protocol effectively fundraising uh, directly to uh, their causes. Um, uh, and I, I think that's, that's a valuable tool, but also like I'm more excited about um, creators that are coming into the applications of uh, that are built on top of the Lens Protocol and starting to, to create their audiences, which takes more time. The cool part is that uh, like once you create your audience, uh, it's yours to, to keep. So you aren't locking yourself um, into a new platform. And, and that's a bigger uh, and important uh, factor to, to think about because if you start investing time into building audience, into new application, and uh, that application doesn't take off. Um, and I remember this happening during the, the whole Web2 uh, beginning where you saw a lot of uh, Reddit uh, big competitors and people were spending a lot of time there. Um, and they didn't go anywhere. Um, you know, there is slash dot is still very like it didn't mm-hmm. became that big. Uh, eventually, you have contests of examples. So like you're actually like your investment of time is more important because you can actually uh, wait that someone else creates another application that might be actually more interesting uh, to you. And I'm I'm looking uh, into like the, into those creators that are actually building those audiences. And constantly creating a narrative of, of what kind of content they want to uh, produce, and from the developer's perspective and application itself, I think like uh, my idea of like creating the decentralized Twitter was more of a troll. Like I never uh, thought about the idea that um, you know like competing against Twitter because Twitter has a very strong social network. So 
effectively because you can't port your audience. And in Web3, you'll, you'll be able to jump from one application to another very quickly, the same way as you're swapping one TikTok video uh, to another. So it's kind of like pointless to compete. But what you can actually do is now that the, the, the barrier to enter and build uh, those applications and uh, leverage the flywheel of an existing social um, craft, uh, you can actually build a new kind of experience or uh, curate the content in a way that it uh, services one, some sort of a type of uh, activity that is uh, fascinating um, or something new and get that flywheel um, effect. And I think that's where most of the traction will come where we are seeing something new uh, being built um, instead of recreating the old. Right. When I think about the evolution of Web3 Social in the context of crypto's history, I I very much think back to 2017 to 2021 when NFT started picking up steam, creators started issuing NFTs and building collector bases, right? And now when I think about Lens Protocol, it's like the next evolution of that to tie in that entire network together, right? Because if you're just building a collector base on Ethereum, there lacks that content distribution through Twitter. But if you're building on, on Lens, right, and you build a collector base on Lens, you sort of tap into the value of distribution and the value of monetization. I think one of the interesting sort of onboarding funnels that maybe you guys face is how do you port a creator's existing collector base that's already built on Ethereum, Polygon, into Lens? What does that look like? Because I know for me, I have a bunch of collectors that have collected my free NFTs, right? But not all of them have a Lens profile yet, right? How do we make that transition? Yeah, well, currently it's easy because you can actually collect uh, content without having... I mean, the creator can set the, the content create, uh, creation in a way where um, you, you don't need to have a profile. So you can actually not be, not, not be a Lens profile user. But over the long term, uh, what we think is more valuable is that every user that is collecting will have a Lens profile. And, and effectively, what we're looking to do um, as a protocol developers to be as much as more unopinionated. So where the protocol could be uh, servicing as a network, um, how the namespace is working, how to create your own namespace and making a bit more flexible for developers to build actually. And I think that, that what, what what is interesting about content actually is that uh, you can have the same content, but actually uh, you could create different kinds of uh, ways of uh, letting the users to choose where they want to mint their content. So for example, um, I have some NFTs. Well, actually, most of my NFTs are on Ethereum. Uh, I have a big chunk of NFTs on Polygon. And then I have NFTs uh, also on uh, Optimism. So effectively, mm. uh, you could see the content in one network, but actually initiate transaction to make that content into a digital asset into in another network. But also, it, it, it boils down to a, a bigger... Uh, discussion is where do you want to see it? Lens protocol? Do you want to see it cross chain or do you want to see it in a one particular uh, ecosystem? And this is something that uh, the community members are discussing um, already how the cross chain functionality will work and, and how the scalability will uh, function. And there's also the argument of that because there is a, the, the, the middleware, which is now the Lens API, then there is other middlewares like the graph, which is more uh, decentralized middleware, 
uh, RSS free, which is also a way to index the data. Uh, and the idea is that, well, you could actually decentralize that middleware and you, you don't actually mind where the social graph is, is deployed because you can get all, you have all that data availability uh, that you can capture. Because Web3 Social is more about data uh, than uh, a state. So on that, on that same topic, you talked about being able to leverage your social graph across other networks. So paint me a picture of how would a user leverage their social graph outside of Lens? What does that look like? Yeah, it's an interesting thing because um, we put a lot of value into the social graph. So effectively, your social graph is the strength of your uh, social capital. So you can actually use that uh, if you want to distribute um, uh, collaborative content to your audience directly. You have monetization opportunities. But also, I see a very valuable use case um, in thinking of the civil resistance uh, part. So, for example, if you take the example of uh, um, the degree separation uh, commenting module, uh, so, for example, if we're able to um, get rid of the, the bots in, 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 in the Lens protocol um, in the platform itself, you can actually use that as a service uh, to, to basically um, have uh, other civil resistant uh, use cases. For example, if you have a game where anyone can participate, but you want to play with, with people you know or are real or any other use case where you actually don't want uh, bot activity, you can actually use that social graph and you can look into, for example, who are the, uh, who, for, who, who, for example, Adam follows, who are the, 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 the follow, who are the people that Adam follows and, and their friends of friends uh, and from that, you can actually use that social graph um, in in civil res- resistance. And the another aspect where you can actually use it is something where uh, you want to create also a reputation score. So the reputation score is also in that kind of like a civil resistant form. Um, but also you can create a reputation score, for example, if you want to uh, measure what is your strength of your social capital um, that could apply into... Let's say, should you be able to not just like to comment on different posts, but for example, should you get a uh, access to a particular user group or um, access to a loan? So effectively taking the social graph idea and, and creating more accessibility um, for the for the users in a decentralized way. And because, because the social graph is on chain, you, that data is verified. So that's the key kind of like a difference because... Why do you want to have a profiles and uh, the social connections on chain is because you can use this data and that data is verified by the blockchain and you can use in use cases like the civil resistance or uh, alternatively um, in, in something like uh, building an on-chain reputation. What do you think are the risks or responsibilities for a user to own their social graph, to own their distribution, to own their content? What sort of challenges or risks come with that? I think one of the important things that you have to keep in mind is that, you know, you spend a lot of time of actually building social capital. So uh, first time ever, that social capital becomes very tangible for you because you're not building it into an application and building the follower base in uh, in a specific database, but you're actually building to yourself. So whatever you create, you have to also secure the same way as you 
secure keys, for example, that you might have. Uh, and there's a lot of ways to actually uh, make it a bit more user-friendlier uh, for the mainstream audience. This is something we're working uh, on on the Lens team itself, but also like uh, account abstraction where you can add something like social recovery um, directly to your um, uh, Ethereum addresses and on-chain addresses. It's something that will help down the line. But basically, securing your keys is, is one of the um, aspects that you need to uh, mind. So it's more of a challenge of like outside of the protocol, but how do you actually do that? And this is something we're currently working. And also, like it's more of a user experience uh, thing. And a lot of user experience uh, uh, concerns is something that we've been addressing down the line all the time. So for example... Um, the way you interact with one of these applications built on top of the Lens protocol, for example, if you go today and you use something like Lenser or uh, Favor or or Orbit, uh, the mobile apps, you actually post the content right away and you don't you don't sign anything, um, you don't pay any gas because you delegate your signing power to a dispatcher, which pays your gas and signs the tra- transaction for you, and also the UI is built optimistically that you see the transaction, you see actually the content being posted, but the blockchain logic happening in the backend. So you can actually continue your user experience. So kind of like uh, when we're building Web3 Social, we also have to rebuild the way we're building applications because we're not building any more finance. Uh, we're building something where we have to meet the expectations of the uh, users in Web2 um, uh, Social. And then another part, which is important, is that uh, you need to build the applications in the right way. So you need to know where you want to use privacy more, uh, for example, where you want to create transactions that are are not on chain or you can actually um, remove them later and so so forth, depending on the use case. And I think that's the best way to achieve is by community guidance on how to build uh, these different applications based on their use cases. Makes sense. I want to jump into audience questions really quick because one of them is very relevant to what we're talking about. So this one comes uh, from Charlie of Decent.xyz. Um, he basically asks on Twitter that there's there's tons of vertical-specific apps competing on the front end. Um, are there any concerns about power users always chasing like the next coolest feature fragmenting maybe friendly activity and making Web3 social less fun. I guess the, the question is sort of like coming from the point of view of if you have this decentralized social graphs and you have endless applications building on top of it, how do you build stickiness, right? And how do you sort of build collaboration versus competitiveness? Yeah, it's a good question. It's definitely something what will happen uh, in the beginning that you see users being super excited about, hey, there's one application and I really love to use this and hey, there's a new application which makes the same experience that I, I'm used to on Lens, but now it's on mobile. And hey, this application actually uh, finds um, things I like faster um, and, and actually more in accurate way. And I think that happens a bit in, um, in Web2 Social because we're, we're users of, of, of multiple of applications. So you might be using at the same time Instagram, uh, Twitter, um, uh, and and TikTok for for different reasons. Um, maybe TikTok because of the algorithm, uh, uh, and and Twitter because of the kind of like a maybe like a work network or the crypto right. networks there. 
and like it, it's already happening. But I think like in Web3 social, what I personally believe will happen is that you start to see more of like communities form behind of those applications. So for example, that um, I feel Reddit has, um, as a Web2 platform has accomplished it to, to some degree where you're actually using Reddit because not only that content might be good for you, but also like you're excited about the values and how the moderation and other things are happening uh, community-based in uh, Reddit. And then you can find also the relevant content uh, for you in those uh, subreddits. So it's like you're very aligned with the uh, community and app- the application community. So you will start seeing that uh, each and every application will have uh, a community behind of it uh, and they will reflect mm. certain values. And this goes towards the recently what we launched with the um, Cultivator DAO. So Cultivator DAO effectively is just a DAO that um, governs trust and safety, uh, content moderation and curation uh, within the uh, Lens uh, ecosystem. But anyone can actually take that um, Cultivator DAO, fork it for their own kind of like a purpose and have their own uh, policies and, and set it behind of uh, a new or existing application. So I would say that all these applications, they they become more of communities. And the reason they are not now in Web2 Social is because they're more of um, products where the users are kind of like locked in and you don't have, you have little of choice of choosing algorithms, choosing experiences and have a say or even have part of the monetization that is happening within the platform. And you just choose to be a uh, spectator um, and consumer than actually a community member. And this is what is going to change now. That, as you're talking, my mind is absolutely racing because I'm starting to think, what sort of application can I build for my community, right? And maybe we're entering a world where all these DAOs, all these token-based communities start having their own applications that they build out on this on this decentralized social graph. Um, so now you, you have my my mind sort of like going off of, on what what else can I provide <laughs> for my community on an application level that they might they, they might find interesting. Have you ever have, have you seen communities um, sort of build out like their own native applications that's specific for their communities on Lens? Have we have we gotten to that stage yet? I actually saw like a couple of forks of Lenser. So Lenser is just a community built application. So we don't have a front end actually for the uh, Lens protocol. Uh, they're either built by third parties or uh, community members. And Lenser is a um, uh, open source front end that anyone can actually fork. You can contribute mm-hmm. directly. You can help uh, the Lenser um, team to actually improve the application. And it's actually happening on an ongoing basis. Uh, and I've seen like a couple of like forks where you ha- uh, people have created smaller uh, communities. I think if Lenser will be something similar to Reddit uh, in terms of like the uh, the ideas of you can create sub communities, we will see probably more of of this kind of forking, uh, and probably we will in the future. Um, but that's that's very exciting because like you can actually just have um, uh, the the user experience that you really want, your community and your community values, and the algorithms that um, are most aligned with with what you're building and and uh, as a community uh, in, 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 in one particular user experience. So I think that's, that's kind of like a valuable uh, aspect. And I, I think another thing that's going to be very uh, big is the monetization. So how uh, the protocol and 
the front ends. Uh, the, let's let's even put put it this way: like the monetization probably will be more on the front end sides. So how the uh, front ends will divide the monetization between the protocol and uh, the applications, because the applications actually uh, they are the ones that drive distribution for the protocol. So there's a healthy feedback loop there, and then the protocol needs the application because of the uh, distribution and uh, utilization as well. Uh, so effectively, we probably will see some sort of uh, um, forks of the existing um, smart contract modules where you will see sure. featuring between the front end and the protocol. That makes sense. I wanna I wanna talk more about uh, challenges with building a social graph, uh, let alone lens. Um, this one also comes from the community. This one comes from Nima. How do you plan to scale to Facebook level of usage slash adoption while remaining decentralized and trustless? What does that look like to you? Yeah, I mean, on the infrastructure level, it's um, it, it's it's very much um, basically um, going into more layer twos uh, in the sense that um, you can do a lot of transactioning on, on Polygon, but down the line, what you need to uh, do is you have to get into a roll-up where you can have a vast bigger uh, throughput for the transactioning. So that's that's on the infrastructure layer. And then uh, on the actual middleware, uh, what we're planning is to decentralize the, the middleware. So we have the Lens API, which currently is basically a, uh, a way of indexing all the data on Lens protocol and making it usable for uh, applications that are built on top. And and these applications, they're choosing either going directly to the blockchain or using Lens API or using um, the graph uh, or uh, RSSS tree. So, so basically, uh, there we want to create a decentralized network where uh, network agreement of the data indexing and providing that as a service for uh, the application. So like all that infrastructure st- stack isn't really um that hard end of the day because there's already a way to scale uh the more challenging part actually is the user experience so how do you make the user experience accessible um and and something that works for billions and when it comes to that level you need to think of actually all the way down how do you manage keys how do you make uh, how do you plan the key recovery for the uh, users uh, and how do you ensure that best experience and also that the, that the content is relevant. So I'm, I'm more kind of like uh, thinking that the bigger heavy lifting is on the application level and also on that uh, user experience level where you need to actually show that um, uh, Web3 Social is actually possible and it's actually um, easy to use um, and you don't need to do uh, big compromises to use something like decentralized social um, media. And then there's the question of like actually like how much security you need from decentralization. So something like decentralized finance, you for example, you might need um, uh, the 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 Ethereum scaled uh, security, but something where you're dealing with um, uh, decentralized social, uh, you want to have the on on chain ecosystem because you want to secure the profiles. So no one can drug you um, out of your profile and your uh, follower base. Um, 
but then you can actually have a scale on that, like um, on layer twos or even layer threes. Um, and then obviously on the content side is that not all content necessarily need to be on on-chain depending on the use case. I would say something like public DAO um, discussion forums uh, could be completely on a public um, on, on-chain or reflected into a, a, a public um, uh, accessible endpoint like IPFS. But then something that is maybe you want to keep more private can be actually reflected to a uh, cloud instance. So you have you have to you have to know what level of decentralization you will choose, um, and then also making the user experience easy. But the groundbreaking thing is that with Lens Protocol, you have that scale, so you can choose actually what you want to apply from the stack. I also think as as Lens sort of encounters Facebook like adoption, there's going to be pockets of sub-communities that care about specific things that Lens will essentially be able to incentivize and empower to sort of take ownership around that. One of them is the Cultivator DAO that you guys sort of announced when it came to, when it comes to at least content moderation, instilling trust and safety in the ecosystem. Uh, I'm curious, are there any other sub-communities or, or yeah, users or features that may be more relevant to create like a Cultivator DAO-like experience uh, for management? Yeah, I, I think like Cultivator DAO solves, um, aim, aims to solve mainly on the uh, content creation aspect, but there is th- there is multiple things that you can actually think about it um, regarding DAOs uh, in, in terms of um, servicing uh, content, um, moder- uh, the, the content itself, but um, also the algorithms. So how do you rate different kinds of algorithms? What's the benefit to it? Um, and 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 how you can actually make it more DAO centric. So how you can actually um, vote within the DAO, which algorithm is actually beneficial to the users, and those kind of DAOs could be very uh, flexible, so that you don't need to ask every single user um, right. on a application like which algorithm you want to actually consume. Um, but also. I, I think like the DAO aspect is interesting because you can create various different uh, support systems for the creators itself, uh, customer support. So um, anything that really requires some sort of a human assessment, um, smaller DAOs are very valuable. Makes sense. Okay, so I have two two final questions for you before we uh, we head off. Okay, number one, you obviously have a deep DeFi background. I'm curious how you see the two overlapping DeFi. And Web three social. What does that What does that world look like? From more of a, like a builder's perspective, I would say that uh, we've always had a vision of actually building access uh, to users. So, in uh, with the Aave protocol, we were able to build access to fair and transparent um, financial markets that work globally. Um, and with the Lens protocol, we're creating access to uh, your own social. Uh, ownership to your own social identity and your own social network. And I think like it's it's a broader kind of like a idea that internet brings accessibility by in general. That's where I basically spend my uh, time uh, growing up. And with Web3, we're even like reinforcing the accessibility by giving you guarantees of uh, ownership of the properties that uh, that are, that are that exist on, on the internet. And then uh, the overlap is interesting question because this boils down to the topic of 
how you could use um, Web3 social graph um, uh, in, in, a, in a different kind of a context. And I think that's where uh, reputation score plays uh, quite big of a role because you could actually gate uh, access. You can also gate um, uh, uh, accessibility into uh, under collateralized loans as well. And that's where things can become uh, very powerful. We're very far mm. uh, away from that idea. So I I don't expect to see any decent implementations in the next couple of years. Okay. But as, as we start to see like how valuable on-chain verified data is from the social graph perspective, then we'll see a lot of interesting features coming up. The last question that I have for you, Stani, is how does Lens make money, either on a protocol level, an application level? What, what's your vision around that? Yeah, the protocol itself has um, already uh, coded into the um, smart contracts a way to collect protocol revenue. But what we're more excited about is to figure out how the front ends will actually start collecting um, the, the the fees of the interactions that are happening or mm. the collections uh, across um, the protocol and then deciding on the fees sharing together with the protocol um, and the community. So end of the day, I, I think you could assume a, a feedback loop where uh, the protocol needs the applications um, for uh, distribution and adoption and, and at the same time, the applications need the protocol because of the functionality, but also because of the network effect that you're getting when there's multiple applications plugged into the same um, social um, network. And because of these two kind of like uh, incentives are aligned, you will see that um, both the applications and the protocol, they want to actually uh, see each other to succeed and share that uh, revenue together. So there is definitely like the to build in uh, collection modules for the collecting uh, content as NFTs, as monetization, and also the mirroring. Uh, but I would be excited to see additional ways to monetize and across uh, all the applications. And I could see in the future uh, even an interesting way where someone might originate a content on Lenser and someone else might collect it on Orb. And there's right. up-to-up specific fee sharing. And that will be super cool. That is really cool. Look, I'm a big fan of building a better world for creators. I think you guys are taking the right steps uh, to do it. I'm building an audience over there. I'm actively on there. So if you're listening to this and you're on Lens, hit me up at Levy Chain. And Stani, before I let you go, where can we find you on Lens? Um, where can we learn more about Lenster? Shill it away. Yeah, so you can find me uh, on Lenser, so it's or any of the applications built on top. So my handle is stani.lens, um, and and feel free to um, uh, interact with me. And also, uh, I, I assume this video will be available on on the Lens Protocol Two for Collect. So remember to hit the uh, Collect button. <laughs> exactly, Stani. Thank you so much. We'll have to do this again soon. But till next time. Thank you, Adam. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening. If you've gotten this far, then you are a champ, and I owe you a free listener pin. Go to adamlevy.io forward slash NFT, 
fill in your info and I'll distribute the NFT towards the end of the season. By collecting your pin, you prove your contribution to the season and get exclusive access to content, allow lists and more. So be sure to collect yours. Also, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. This helps me out so much. And finally, hit me up on Twitter at LevyChain. I want to hear what you're building, the latest crowdfund you're trying to complete, or if you simply want to chat. I love talking about where crypto meets the creator economy, and it's no different if it's coming from you directly. So thanks again for your support. It means the world, and I'll see you on the next episode.